0: Afternoon, my friends. The doctor is in the house. Welcome back to another episode of To Your Health with Dr. G on this great Wednesday. Hey, everybody. We're still in the middle of my, my women's health series, and I'm so excited to welcome everybody back to the show. And really what we're doing now is during this month, we're just talking about ways to stay engaged, ways to create awareness, and ways to make a change, a change for the positive, a change for the better, in the lives of women everywhere. And so I was so excited to have a successful show last week on Nutritional Fitness Foundations, but I'm so much more excited today to continue to talk this conversation up. We're gonna be talking about focusing your mind and really with the hashtag in the stigma. So during during the show today, I'm gonna keep saying that word, that hashtag reference that in the stigma, because it's such an important thing that we're gonna be talking about. So, again, today's show is all about just just supporting, creating awareness, and hopefully creating more engagement. And as we continue to create engagement in the lives of women everywhere and their families, we can continue to move the needle when it comes to living healthy and happier lives. Again, my name is Dr. Mark Gomez, board certified internist, practicing out of Edward Hospital in Naperville, Illinois. You can check me on my website, www.drmarkgomez.com. You're listening live here on on intellectualradio.com on this great Wednesday. So here's how the show works, of course. Uh, we're gonna meet my guests, Dr. Kate Johnson and, and Katie O'Donnell in a few moments, but I'm just so excited because again, this topic, this whole series is about opportunity, equity, equity, and again, continued, continuing to move the needle as far as health is concerned. So before we get started, I do wanna make sure that I read you guys a quick little disclaimer. The content of To Your Health with Dr. G is for informational and entertainment purposes only and that the content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, and or treatment. Further details can be found at com slash disclaimer. So we're here today on this Wednesday uh, talking about health, in particular talking about focusing your mind and talking about some of the stigmas that are out there and what we can do in this country, in our lives, to help create opportunity and in the stigma when it comes to mental health disorders. So without further ado, I just want to just welcome my amazing panel to the show. For those of you that are new to the show, each week what I do is I ask my panelists a ton of questions. They give us their honest answers. Uh, We take those answers, of course and we hope that you guys that are listening, uh, apply them, you talk to your primary care doctor, you have this discussion. We don't want this discussion today to end today. We want this discussion to be part of the everyday vernacular, everyday talking about opportunities as we continue to create awareness and health. Remember, it can't just be one person that can make the difference. We have to make differences together, like-minded individuals coming together a common goal and we will make some serious changes so uh, the show on the format today besides me and my guests we're gonna go through some questions I love that at the end of the show we're gonna to do towards the end. we're gonna do my lovely rapid-fire myths versus facts to really set the record straight when it comes to health and so again I'm so excited to have my women's health series part two focusing your mind I want to introduce my first guest she and I have known each other for a long time she has been on this show multiple times I mean you are a fan favorite. Actually, both of you guys are fan favorites today because you both have been on the show. But, but again, I trust your. you know, you both are our, our expert colleagues, my expert colleagues. You're both my friends. Uh, and I think you both have, can, can convey the passion and the message of encouragement, that compassionate encouragement, that kindly encouragement that's needed to continue to have success in your health. So my first guest, she and I went to medical school together. I'm going to reintroduce her, Dr. Kate Johnson. Dr. Kate Johnson. Is a great friend. Let me read you her credentials because the credentials are real. Uh, Dr. <laughs> Kate Johnson, assistant professor, board certified adult and child and adolescent psychiatrist, Loyola University Medical Center, www.loyolamedicine.org. Check her out there. Dr. Johnson, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, it's good to be back.
0: Hey, Dr. Johnson, why don't you just give us a brief uh, just uh, background? Obviously, I just Spill the beans that you went to Loyola I did. Medical School. We I did. we went together. But let's, let's spill the background again on your background. Where did you do your training? Where did you do your residency, et cetera, et cetera?
1: So, fun fact: I actually started out in obstetrics and gynecology. I um, was was doing my residency there, and then I decided psychiatry was a better fit, and so I uh, switched. And I I did my both my residency and my child and adolescent fellowship at uh, University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. Go heels! And heels. Um, yeah, but I, I also did, in, in my fellowship, one of the things I did was a concentration in um, mother-infant bonding. We have a, a perinatal um, inpatient unit down there, the first one in the country. And so I did a lot of work um, on that unit and, and really kind of had a focus in, in women's mental health because of my previous training.
0: Excellent. And then, uh, and then I want to ask you this question, a follow question. You know, we're talking today about just the stigma out there. Maybe give us a couple opening of thoughts on things. You know, honestly, we live in a you know, mental health that's still stigmatized in our society. Even though we've gained more awareness, but maybe give some intro comments, introductory comments, because you go around, you, you lecture, you teach, you know, what does this theme mean to you today, especially when it comes to women's health?
1: I think it's, it's so, so important that we, that we really start having discussions over and over about the stigma that, that is attached to just mental well-being, much less mental illness, right? Um, and, you know, it's very, it's very real for both men and women, but it's also very different. So I think we, we need to talk about both, and we need to talk about them together and individually.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you, Dr. Johnson, for coming on the show again. Um, this is awesome. Third time's a charm, but Third it worked time. out every time. Brilliant. Again, every time's been great. So I think I think again I thank you for coming back to the show. Mm-hmm. My next guest, I've known her for a long time. We work together. It's great, and uh, you entered my life a few years ago, and, uh, and and we're we're together part of a uh, part of a, originally a pilot project at our uh, medical practice, and uh, really to have an integration of behavioral health into the primary care setting, and it's been ridiculously successful, and so uh, so. Uh, Katie O'Donnell has been on this show before. She's also a fan favorite and just, a, just an amazing practitioner. So let me read you her credentials uh, because we only have credentialed individuals on this show because it is a medical show. Uh, but, but no, we're talking some really good stuff. So we have Katie O'Donnell. She's a LCSW CADC, licensed clinical social worker, and certified alcohol and drug counselor with Lyndon Oaks Medical Group, www.ehealth.org. Check her out. Katie, welcome to the show.
2: Hi, thanks for
0: having me, back. Hey, Katie, give us a little bit about your background and uh, where you do your training. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did you get it, How did you get into this field? And really, a couple opening statements on why do you think this this topic is so important today? Oh,
2: sure, absolutely. So I also went to Loyola. That's where I got my um, masters in social work. Loyola so, you know, in the, the house go today, here. across yeah, the board. Absolutely. And that was great. Um, and through there, I did separate rotations, one in Cicero at a community health center that worked with um, individuals with developmental disabilities. And then I also did my second, Alexian Brothers Behavioral Health, in their um, chemical and addiction medicine program. So I have lots of different experiences in different walks of life, which I've been very appreciative of. In terms of women's mental health, I think it's incredibly important. I really like how Kate phrased it as just mental well-being, not just diagnosed illnesses. Um, I think women are really expected to be wonder women, and as much as I want to say, yes, I totally am, I feel like we also need to have that dialogue that it's okay to have that vulnerability too and make your own self-care and well-being a priority.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you very much, Katie, for coming back to the show. So what I'm going to do, what we're going to really frame this discussion around, of course, is really you know, what can we do as a society to help destigmatize mental health challenges that women face, and then what are some of the unique challenges after addressing them, what are the unique challenges, but what are also some of the unique solutions that are out there uh, when it comes to addressing uh, a woman's own mental health illness. And it's interesting when I think about the, the, the statistics that are out there, we obviously know uh, millions and millions of women in this country suffer from mental health disorders. Uh, some of those women that have those conditions are working with practitioners, some are not. Uh, and really what we want to do is make sure that everybody has access to proper mental health services. Just like with any medical condition as an internist, you know, we always talk about in the medical field, uh, timely diagnosis is paramount uh, because the options for treatment are so much more available. And really when I think about mental health and I, and I think about my, my, my role as a primary care doctor, but also working with you, you as specialists is that. That, that, that you two are part of, I mean, you're, you're part of the team. you know anybody that's out there, you've got your team. I mean you should have your primary care doctor. I talk about that all the time uh, for just general well-being, uh, physical health, mental, but also having a collaboration. And I think that's an important thing. I feel like for like the challenges, a lot of times we're so siloed in our practices. So Absolutely. I want to start with that first question for Dr. Johnson. How do we try to just maybe kind of close the gap amongst practitioners to hopefully help address mental health in women?
1: So I think, you know, the the very first step is what we're doing right now, mm-hmm. right? Like, we start opening these dialogues, we start talking about what this means, we start talking about, like, it's okay to talk to your mm-hmm. your primary care doctor, you know? Um, it's okay for your primary care doctor to say, you know what, let's bring in an expert here. Sometimes you just need a specialist, right? And nobody questions that when you send them to a cardiologist, mm-hmm. but when you want, you say, oh, I want you to see a psychiatrist or a therapist, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh, suddenly it's like, doctor, you think I'm crazy, mm-hmm. right? Like... And and the fact of the matter is, you know, I mean, you and I went to medical school together, right? Like, I'm as much an MD as you are. Absolutely. I just have different training. Yes. And so I think that's part of it is is just getting people, both patients and doctors, to kind of have those conversations. And then the other thing is, you're right. I mean, we as a as a as a profession right now are still very siloed, and and that's starting to change. And I think we encourage that change. I think we encourage a lot of communication. I think we, you know, like one of the um, one of the things that I do in, in my, my many hats that I wear is I'm actually um, embedded in a primary care office one day a week where I'm you know sitting in the, in the clinic with the primary care docs and, and I'm seeing my own patients and doing my own thing, but they can come over and say, you know, hey, what do you think about this? What can I do? Should I do this? Is this a bad? And, and just even be, beginning to have those conversations and have that um, like face time, right, and, and that, that, that ease of, of conversation, um, really opens a lot
0: of dialogues. Excellent. I know for us and I can and Katie can, can please uh, expand on this one. Part of the goal when we initially connected was to just kind of get rid of the initial stigma of having somebody with mental health disorders go to a mental health facility mm-hmm. which is, has all connotations to it and, it and it's like well why don't you go to a place where you're normally comfortable at which is your regular doctor's office. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about, a little bit more about an integration standpoint from your perspective. Sure,
2: absolutely. And that was kind of the spirit behind integration is we really lose a lot of people by just providing referrals. So you can give handouts all day long about psychiatrists, therapists who you feel like would be a good fit for people, but the likelihood they're going to retain that piece of paper, that they're going to follow up with those providers afterwards is really low. So when there can even be this warm handoff between primary care doctor and an individual therapist, a social worker, what have you, we can kind of make sure we're scheduling in the room, answering questions, like putting face to name, it makes it a little less intimidating. And again, like you said, when people are coming to a place they're already familiar with, they trust their primary care doctor, they know the people who work there, it's a little bit easier to come in and say, well, I'm not going to go you know, see a shrink, I'm going to go see my doctor, I'm going to my doctor's office, Mm -hmm. which in my opinion, I feel like behavioral health really needs to be seen, and medicine Mm -hmm. as healthcare because there really isn't a difference between you know trying to get healthy in terms of mental and emotional problems versus you know pulmonary or cardiovascular so that's where I kind of like how we can kind of provide that integration and start that dialogue and kind of take away maybe people we would miss because of some of those
0: stigmas. Excellent so Dr. Johnson you know we're here talking today about um, about really what are what What's out there for women's health and again destigmatizing why don't we start out like this you know everybody out there that's been listening and watching you know you've been hearing uh, you've met you've met my guests you've been hearing some introductory remarks and we know that there's, this is a real a real challenge but but we're not nobody's raising the white flag of surrender you know we want to do this together as practitioners. We are all, we, we've all taken an oath of some form. I don't know what the oath was for uh, a licensed clinical social worker, uh, but I'm assuming it's almost like the medical, the MD though. But you've taken an oath regardless, Katie, to, to, to provide a service because you're doing this because it's your calling, it's, it's your passion, it's your purpose. And, and so the challenge is, uh, you know, when we think about mental health is sometimes people may not have, may not realize that, that purpose that they have. And so, or they may not be able to express it. So let me ask this to, to Dr. Johnson. Uh, we, we, we know that, that, that mental health is part of just your overall health mm-hmm. as well, too. Absolutely. Um, and we want people to live healthy lives. You used the word well-being, mental well-being earlier. Um, how do we now, you know, in addition to talking about this like this, how can we give yeah. some practical advice? How can we just basically say, all right, if somebody's out there and they don't know that you exist or they don't know that Kate exists, mm-hmm. how do we get people to know that, first of all, you guys exist? Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a good start. Yeah. <laughs> so here I we are, we're I real. So, um, no, I think, you know, and I
1: think because kind of as we've been discussing, like a good place to go is your primary care doctor and just say, like, I'm struggling with things. I, you know, this, or or not even I'm struggling. I would like this to be better, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think, I think we often wait until, you know, everything's kind of falling apart. And again, this is part of the stigma is that women should be able to handle it. We should be superwoman. It should be, you know, and so it's like, as things are falling through the cracks, you're kind of, you're kind of having that same dialogue of yourself. It's like, no, I should be, I should be pulling it together. I should be pulling it together. Nonsense. No, you shouldn't. If you, if you, if you broke your arm, if you had chronic headaches, you would go seek help for it. This is just the same thing. Right. And, and, you know, we're not like. Uh, you know people people still I mean how many years ago was this movie but people still think one flew over the cuckoo's nest they think okay. again doctor you think i'm crazy um you're going they're going to lock me away in a you know, no no i mean you know even even inpatient facilities right are there to help they're help they're there to heal it's not it's not this this crazy house that you know and and just just again starting to kind of realize that like this happens to everyone you don't have to hold it together until the last minute. Mm-hmm. You know, you should think about this as, you know, if you had a chronic cough, you'd go see your doctor, he'd send you to a specialist. It's it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. And furthermore, right, like, we talk about how things are kind of kept in silos, the body doesn't get that, mm-hmm. right? Like, your body is, 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 your brain is affecting your body, your body is affecting your brain, it's all working in this beautiful symbiosis, and there's no reason to say, Oh, we're not going to pay attention to half of that and expect the other half to get better, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I think just just starting to kind of even just pay attention, right? And and understand the resources that are out there and like people see therapists. It's I have a great therapist, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, like I often say I am a good therapist because I have a good therapist, you know. Excellent. So people like people do this, it's it's not a big deal. It's part of just Getting, getting to the place you want to be and living your best life, and that is not even okay. That is awesome.
0: That is, oh, well, thank you for clarifying that. I mean, I, want, I mean, the energy is so real, and we want to build off this energy, this positivity. Let me ask you this, Katie. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about mental health very, very broadly, but let's get a little more specific. Um, what are some of the common mental health disorders that, are, that women are facing today? You know, what are the, some of the diagnoses that, that you're seeing?
2: I'd say, especially in a primary care setting, I get a lot of anxiety disorders and major depressive disorders. That's probably number one. And I'd actually kind of go a little bit further and say a lot of the people come in with adjustment disorders. Mm -hmm. So the difference between an adjustment disorder and major depressive disorder, anxiety, is they're in response to a, a stressor. So I see people who are having a major life crisis or something going on, or even a diagnosis, a medical diagnosis and they have this period of anxiety symptoms, depressive symptoms, and the difference between an adjustment disorder versus another diagnosis is it's only about six months. Mm-hmm. So sometimes that can turn into an anxiety disorder, can turn into a major depressive disorder, but sometimes if we get that intervention in, we can kind of resolve those symptoms, give people tools, other options to work with, and they don't develop into some of these other illnesses so when we're looking at kind of baseline what people come in with i'd say anxiety and depressive symptoms and they can manifest in so many insidious ways that sometimes we don't really realize oh my gosh this is what's going on I even would say how many tests have you run for patients when they're trying to rule out all these different diagnoses, and at the end of the day, we're looking at anxiety or depression.
0: Excellent. Thank mm-hmm. you for clarifying that. You know what I want to do? I want to take a step, uh, even a further step back. You know, we just, you guys just heard about some of the common disorders that are out there that Katie so eloquently stated. But let's take a step back. I actually want to frame this a little bit, a little bit differently. You know, and I'll ask this question to Dr. Johnson. Mm-hmm. Can you give us a little bit of, like, history a little bit because you know we're talking about women's mental health in the present time but the old saying to know where you're going you have to know where you came from mm-hmm. and, and, and so and so how how has women's health mental health evolved uh in this country even like you know 30 40 50 years ago mm-hmm. to like what's what's ha- what's happened? because obviously i feel like it wasn't talked about a lot we're talking about it a lot more commonly mm-hmm. now but what's kind of the evolution of it how was it like 50 years ago 30 years ago and how's it evolved to, to now or even like and then I'll ask you a second question, because why not? Because I like <laughs> you so much. How has it evolved since you did your training? Oh. Whoa. All right. But well, let's start Whoa. with a little bit of history. Like, okay. how has women's health addressed, like, in the past?
1: I mean, it, it wasn't. Okay, fair. <laughs> but, <laughs> right? like, I mean, you know, I think... Zilch. Yeah, it's like, it's psychiatry and, and, and behavioral health in general has mm-hmm. has come a long way, baby. right? <laughs> um, you know, I think back in the day of, like... Um, we just didn't talk about these things or or severe disorders were kind of the only thing that were addressed and that was usually you know uh, like a really big deal and you know aunt aunt eugene would go off to the um, you know the the farm and you know it was it was it was very like we just don't talk about these things right we never heard from her again um, i mean that's that's yeah. a little bit of a, of an extreme but yeah, you know right. what i mean like uh, that was tea, yeah. back in the day of like mother's little helper you know just take this pill you'll feel better mm-hmm um and 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 just get over it right just keep going like you're you know you it was it was also very very frequently seen as a character flaw, mm-hmm. right like one of the things that i think has been has been one of the the greatest changes we've we've had right is is really starting to get more into the the biology and the physiology of this right and I I think there's there's a risk of going too far into that right of like Oh, this is you know, this is just a discrepancy in your serotonin. Well, it is Why is that is a whole different, you know, why is that true is a whole different story, but um, But I think we've really kind of come a long way in saying like oh, no, no, wait this is this is a physiologic process, right? Like it's affected by a lot of different things. There, are, there are behavioral components. There are, uh, you know, the 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 way your your mind thinks and the way your your kind of psyche works affects your neurochemistry, right? And and while part of the way we we help that neurochemistry is is not only through medications, right? Therapy. We now we have brain scans that show it changes the brain, it changes yes. the neurochemistry, like. All of these things are true, and and we're really getting away from the from the idea that this is just a, a weakness, this is a character flaw, this is something you need to do better, right? You know,
0: it's an interesting, you said, like, the flaw, and I think of the old saying, like, people say, well, oh, you know, you think you t- take mental health as a, if you get diagnosed with it, a lot of people say, well, you're taking it, I take it as a personal failure. Right. And, and, no. and, and we don't mm-hmm. want that at all. No um wow. so well
1: wow. yeah to 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 talk to, to speak to your second question actually one of one of my the most exciting things to me is that over the last few years we really have started to see the influence of trauma mm-hmm. right and we've really started to legitimize when things happen they they affect us on a neurochemical and 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 physiologic level you know there's a lot of really good research starting to come out about the way that the, the autonomic nervous system, right, so the fight or flight versus rest and digest, how that that really gets out of whack when, when traumatic things happen, and particularly when you have kind of over and over, you know, things happening, and, and things happening at a young age, like we've moved away from this idea of PTSD as, you know, the veterans coming home from war, and have started to realize that, no, children having, you know, um, insecurities in their home or having like their their mental health not not addressed or their even just their emotions not addressed mm-hmm. can have profound physiologic effects later on and so I'm really really excited to see how this goes over the next few years um, because I think we're that's the that's the dialogue that I'm really excited to see and that I think has, has evolved even since I've I've been in training. This is, this is
0: awesome about the evolution because again if it's more of like acceptance, as, like as as Katie said earlier, oh, cardiology, you know, you have a diagnosis, you know, we accept that. Or as we were saying, you know, I want you to go see a kidney doctor. Well, oh, a lung doctor, yeah. You know, it's so, it's, so, it's so exciting to see that we're peeling back some of those layers, but we still have work to do. I know one of the challenges I have as a primary care doctor is, is you know, my, my training in psychiatry was a six-week week Clerkship as a third-year medical student, and that's just not enough. So, so you know, certainly being on the front lines of things, we see a lot. I see, I personally see a lot, but I'm trying to still understand more, Mm -hmm. and that's like my challenge. And 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 I've learned a lot since since Katie, since you've been in in my in in our practice to kind of teach me some things. You know, through the lens that you see things through, and I hold. Okay, well, that's how she thinks about it. Or talking to you, Dr. Johnson, it's like, okay, that's how she's thinking about it. So, I can learn better. I want to be a better practitioner day in and day out i want to be a better uh just human being day in and day out and have compassion uh, to others when they're having their challenges mm-hmm. so let me ask this question to katie you know i'm going to ask you the kind of the second part of the same question i asked uh dr johnson how has how's like how have things evolved for you since you finished your training and have been in practice for a number of years what kind of evolution have you seen
2: um, what I've really noticed is an increase in focus on perinatal and kind of postpartum behavioral mm-hmm. health. So when I was in med school, in getting my master's degree and doing my rotations, I don't think I ever. had a ton of that information being presented and it wasn't until actually that I was pregnant with my first child and kind of going through the process that I personally was like very interested in having that kind of insight and then working with patients who were going through pregnancies and seeing that difference and actually talking to perinatal doctors and seeing what they saw and even things like the trauma of giving birth Mm -hmm. and and Mm -hmm. how that impacts women. So I found that that area has suddenly been given a lot of focus, which I think is incredibly important because something that a lot of women don't know is that postpartum depression and anxiety can occur up to a year Mm -hmm. after you give birth. And so you think, okay, I've got baby blues the first couple weeks. I get out of the three months. I'm not feeling anything. And then a lot of women go back to work or, you know, their child turns one years old and they start having these symptoms. And already being a mother is very stressful. So then when you have that other layer there, and so having a dialogue about that and having obstetricians really include into that and having all these other physicians kind of looking out for that is such an important thing. So I think that's one area I've really noticed has changed since I was in school.
0: So it takes, you know, it takes a village. I want to stand that theme stand that theme about moms because that's important. A lot of, a lot of our listeners are mothers. They're parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're also caregivers maybe for an, elder, an elderly for sure. parent. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so I want to keep this conversation going. So, you know, I came across an interesting article that was forward, forwarded to me by my mm-hmm. wife. Uh, and I thought it was very fascinating. Uh, so, it was a pu- recent article that was published on December 11th of last year. It was on a website called community.today.com. It was by a, health blo- uh, uh, a blogger named Mama's Tired. And it was about, uh, uh, first of all, the name was um, the name's amazing, but she's blogged a lot about her own personal experiences. And so, uh, she blogged about how, uh, talked about a very real but undiscussed mental health. Uh, issue uh, known as stay-at-home mom depression, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, you know, and basically, you know, balancing the tasks of raising children and running a household can be just tremendous. Uh, while simultaneously, fe- uh, you know, fending off comments that will say, "Oh, you know, you're uh, you're so lucky to be at home mm-hmm. alone," yeah, and all well, that kind of stuff. Can mean, the reality mm-hmm. is that a lot of those, not a lot of those women will have symptoms like isolation or a loss of self. Mm-hmm. A loss of identity mm-hmm. what are we doing about this how do we talk about coping because that's an important thing that we should be talking about a lot just like how postpartum depression a lot of moms will stay at home with the child and lose some of that interaction I a mean, lot let's let's be honest uh, a lot of mothers out there were were on a of moms were on a career path mm-hmm. they were they left the workforce to, to to raise children and and then a lot of other people start attacking that mm-hmm. what what are we doing about this Ask oh, a question to Dr. Johnson. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> as I'm looking at both of you, I'm like who wants to answer the question first? Who's yeah. my guinea pig? But what are we doing about this?
1: I mean, I think I think a lot of just one of the most common things I hear is yeah. I'm supposed to be doing X, Y, and Z, right? Mm-hmm. This is supposed to be, or this is supposed to be beautiful, and I hate it, right? Mm-hmm. Like you were talking about trauma, childbirth. Mm-hmm. Childbirth is a big deal right and it's your body's doing a lot of things and, and you know if it doesn't go perfectly the way you expected, or if you if you make a decision you know I always tell my patients right opinions are like armpits <laughs> everybody has at least one <laughs> and sometimes they stink right so um, every you know people are very very happy to tell you what they think you should be doing but if they're not walking in your shoes they don't really I mean you know you can you can take people's opinions and if it works for you great use it say thank you for that advice this is a great idea I'm gonna do this right if it doesn't apply to you it is totally okay to just be like thank you for that I'm gonna go do what I need to do for myself right and I think that's that's part of what I really I think we really need to work towards is saying like you know we we can offer helpful advice sure whatever but but we really have to stop like deciding for other people mm-hmm. what they need to be doing and what you know what's supposed to be because we, we all have these internalized ideas that's like I you know I'm supposed to this is supposed to be the best time of my life and my you know I am ex- mama's tired no, no, and, sorry, and, yeah. and <laughs> oh my gosh two year olds are so loud well yeah they are and you can love your kids and still be like could you be quiet for a minute? Right? Like um, you know, I think we we really need to, to start and I, and I feel like we have started some of those dialogues of like, you know what? Mm-hmm. Motherhood is not always perfect. Womanhood is not always perfect, right? The other thing that I hear a lot of is, you know, and I I certainly have have seen this as well from a, on a personal level. You know, I don't have children of my own and people have all sorts of opinions about that as well, right? And, you know, this, even to the, I mean, we, we talk a lot about this in, in physician circles, right, about like, oh, I'm, you know, often in my career I've been expected to pick up the call schedule for people out on maternity leave, or oh, you can take Christmas because you don't have kids, you know, like, um, which personally I'm happy to, but it's not necessarily an assumption people should make, right? Yeah, yeah, and so that, that idea of like, this is what you should be doing, whether it's you should be home with your kids instead of having a career, you should be, you know, your kids should be in daycare and you should be, you know, continuing your job. You should have kids, right? Like, all it's just, it really gets into that place where you start to feel like, well, whatever I pick. I'm gonna pick the wrong thing. Yeah. You know, somebody's
0: gonna tell me I'm wrong. So. I don't want people to second guess themselves or second guess their opinions. or, yeah. or you know. And, and you want to acknowledge certainly people that are mm-hmm. that are having this. Sometimes those people may not speak up, or it might be hard for you to pick up on that. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that people have have a trusted resource that they can talk mm-hmm. to. But but I want to acknowledge, uh, you know, the the um, that their struggles are not invalid. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, that 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 I want to Absolutely. acknowledge that that they are. They can be people can be cared for, uh, and it's like with just anything, you know. Uh, you know, we talk about hey, we're having this conversation. Well, people having that conversation out there later on. You know, we learn from experience, and so we want to have that encourage that. I certainly as a, as a private care doc, I want to encourage that discussion. But sometimes again, people don't know where to start. Like, mm-hmm. like what's like the the most crucial first step is like saying that you need yeah. some help. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I will say, you know, I think I think there's. There's really no substitute for kind of reaching out to your doc and saying, like, hey, I need, I need help with this, right? But I will say this is one place that social media can be a very, very much a double-edged sword, right? Mm-hmm. And we all know that you can go on social media and get, like, you know, again, everybody's armpits are everywhere. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs>
0: But well, well, well,
1: well. but one of the things I really appreciate is that there are these, you know, Facebook groups and, and online resources mm-hmm. and communities. I, yesterday I saw a, a new mom who was like I was so grateful to hear from some of these other moms mm-hmm. in the community that they've had struggles like this too, you know, because mm-hmm. my family doesn't get it and this and the other and it's and it's and I'm afraid to talk to, you know, so and so. And so it really has been helpful to hear that other people sometimes wish, you know, they could just take a nap or they have trouble getting, you know, resources mobilized or whatever, and and she's gotten really tremendous support. I mean, people, you know, brought over diapers when she needed them and, and that kind of stuff. And so, um, there are there are definitely, you have to be very careful about who you trust mm-hmm. and who you listen to. And again, it's the same thing as, like, whoever's telling you in the grocery store that right, your kid right. should not be eating that, you know, chocolate bar, like whatever. Um,
2: you you
1: there are definitely there's more access i guess is what i'm trying to say to to having these conversations um especially for moms who are kind of you know hindered in their ability to go to mommy and me class or to meet other people or to have you know adult interactions sometimes yeah
0: Um, thanks for addressing that issue Uh, it was interesting instead that i that i researched by uh, this is according to the pew research center that 11 million u.s parents uh, we're not working outside of the home in the year 20, 2016, according to an analysis of U.S. Census Bureau data. Uh, I didn't look at the breakdown on, on men versus women, but but we would probably assume that the majority of that numbers women. K- Katie, what else? What, what else are we doing right now for women that are either doing suffering from postpartum or women that are suffering from stay-at-home mom depression? What what else are you doing from a from a from your perspective from a behavioral health? A licensed clinical social worker. What are what are we doing for that now?
2: So something that I tell everyone I work with, and especially moms who are in that position, is you have to put you on the top of your priorities list. Amen. It feels completely yeah. opposite of what we're told mm-hmm. of raising children, of taking care of the house, of putting everyone else first. But I, again, I go back to the old airplane analogy. Mm-hmm. You have to put your oxygen mask on first. You are not helping anyone if you're not helping yourself first. And it is really tough to do because I think part of just being a woman is feeling guilty, Mm -hmm. feeling that shame. And I heard uh, you you should a lot. Mm -hmm. And I like to tell people, don't should all over yourself. We're really good at doing that. And all it does is kind of get us stuck in these really toxic thoughts and doesn't help us be proactive. So with new moms, when you can't go anywhere, you're at home, make sure that, okay, your baby is not going to die if you put him in the crib for 20 minutes and take a shower you're going to be okay. Put in a little bouncy chair in the bathroom with you, Mm -hmm. but make sure that you're taking a shower put on lipstick, put on an outfit that you feel good in. I mean, a lot of women are also trying to deal with postpartum bodies and recovering, mm-hmm. and there's so many different things that are going on. Our body isn't fully healed until about two years after childbirth. Exactly. So you got a lot that's still happening. But if you put yourself first, whatever that looks like, that can be, mm-hmm. I'm going to do this yoga video at home. I'm going to call my girlfriend. I'm going to tell my husband, you know what? I know you've been at work, but when you get home after an hour, you're going to take the baby and mm-hmm. be baby duty. Mm-hmm. So. Whatever putting yourself as a priority first looks like, making sure that every day when you get up and look at your to dos, you're number one. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's kind of feeding into what you're maybe trying to teach your children too. What are you modeling for Absolutely. the people you raise? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think
1: that's something that, you know, as we as we start to talk more and more self care has become a real yeah. buzzword, right? Yeah, and and it, it ends up always being like Um, oh get a pedicure and you know oh absolutely first of all if if a pedicure makes you feel good go get a pedicure but a lot of time what self-care actually is is drawing healthy boundaries Mm -hmm. or taking time to make sure that your own kind of priorities and mental health needs are are met Mm -hmm. and you know I think I think kind of like you said if you can't if your cup is empty, you can't fill anybody else's. just
0: great analogy. I was going yeah. to say that too, everybody. Awesome. Uh, I Promise.
1: Yeah. Um, so you know, so I think that's that's a really important thing. And the other thing that people really that I find, especially in my in my child and adolescent work, um, people really underestimate how much your kids are watching you, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And how much they're, you know, first of all that one of the one of the reasons i think it's so important that we're starting to talk more about postpartum is that infant bonding is is significantly impacted by postpartum anxiety and depression right and these kids you know you're you're really doing something for your children's well-being and your children's future to take care of yourself and make sure that you're able to mirror them and and Cure their needs and 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 really engage and take care of your children. Mm-hmm. You're also modeling. You know, one of my one of my old colleagues used to say, um, "We learn our role as women from our mothers. We learn our worth as women from our fathers." Mm-hmm. And so, you know, as you're as you're taking care of yourself, as you're um, you know making sure that that you have what you need, you're showing your daughters. This is this is okay and you need to take care of yourself. As, you know, for men, as they're they're treating their wives in a certain way and treating them as equals and treating them as as valued partners, right? They're showing their daughters you need to expect nothing less mm-hmm. from your partners in the future, right? And you are worth being, you know, a priority to someone. And I I really think, you know, as we try to try to get into that, like, oh no, I should be able to handle this. We're really underestimating kind of what we're passing on to our children.
0: Excellent. You know, we are human, and hu- to human to be human, is the quintessential is that we feel. Mm-hmm. And, and and I just love how we're able to clear the record right now and say, you know, again, self care is not necessarily selfish. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, so thank yeah. you. I mean, this is awesome. Hey, you guys have been listening? You're, you're listening right now live on Facebook.com. You're listening on on IntellectualRadio.com. I'm going to change the t- subject a little bit because I want to talk about this concept known as mindfulness. And, uh, and and I wanna I to have Katie uh, uh, O'Donnell introduce that in a second, but but again I, again we're trying to have this conversation just again how do we break down uh, some of the barriers that are out there, but also how do we apply how do we identify those individuals that may need help, that may be struggling, or if somebody just, if you heard some of the words that they're saying right now, they're, they're saying you can do it. They're, they're saying, you know, find that resource. If you don't, you know, find that person, a trusted person, of course, credentialed person, but, 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 but the resources are out there. We don't want anybody mm-hmm. to fail, and that's why they do what they do best. They really want your best interests uh, at hand without a doubt. So uh, Katie, tell us a little bit, what is mindfulness?
2: Mindfulness is wonderful. It's one of my favorite things <laughs> uh, in the world. Yeah, cool. So the idea behind it, because I know it is a buzzword right now, mm-hmm. lots of people are kind of seeing it. It's, it's simply being fully present in this moment and experiencing mm-hmm. everything that's involved in this moment without judgment and with compassion. So that means all of your emotions, your thoughts, your physical sensations, what's going around you and internally in this moment. So, I think a lot of people have this idea that mindfulness is, you know, the Dalai Lama on the mountain, no thoughts in there, completely Zen, it's actually almost the opposite of that. Mm -hmm. When you are so fully present and aware of this moment, you are so in tune with everything that's going on. You're feeling your feet on the ground, clothing on your skin, things that your brain normally tunes out, and it helps you really be grounded in this moment, which is the only moment we can do anything with.
0: Mm Uh, Dr. Johnson, how would you apply, like, mindfulness to what we're talking about today? You know, we're talking about, we've touched base on depression, we've touched base on anxiety, stress, uh, adjustment disorder, mm-hmm. things that a lot of women are going through. How would you apply mindfulness to these kind of things, to these kind of principles as a, as a, as a therapeutic option? And obviously, mm-hmm. there's medications, there's behavioral therapy uh, train, and training, would, but how would you apply one mindfulness? Of,
1: one of many tools, but it's an important tool, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is, you know, this is a a really, really helpful concept, especially for anxiety, Mm -hmm. right? Like, anxiety is is so focused on the future, is so focused on what might happen, what could happen, preparing for things. You you know, people don't realize how much energy they're putting into predicting what's going to happen, right? And dealing with what could happen. And so, for me, you know, the idea of kind of coming back into the moment and saying, like, whatever's going to happen, I'm going to handle that, right? Like I have, I have made it to this point. I've survived everything I've been through. And, you know, like to, to have, to reclaim that energy that's being put out into like, okay, what if this happens? What if that, what if I have to prepare for this? What if, oh my gosh, what if, you know, like to pull all of that energy back into what I'm doing right now is a, is a, is a tremendously powerful thing, right? And I, I feel like you know, depre- again, in depression, where where again, your your mind sometimes is kind of lying to you, right? And mm-hmm. getting pulled into those thoughts and all of the energy that goes into those thoughts, if you can pull that back into the moment and really direct it towards healing, that's tremendous.
0: It's powerful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So essentially, I always, I like to, I like to do some mindfulness minutes myself. Uh, and uh, one of my things I like to do, and I'm a horrible singer, but yeah. yes, on my way to the office. <laughs> Am I screaming at the, singing at the top of my lungs in the car? The answer is yes. And, and it helps center me mm-hmm. and sets the tone for me to deal with my day. Mm-hmm. And everybody makes my, my mindfulness personal. Mm-hmm. You know, Some people may wake oh, up yeah. early in the morning, mm-hmm. take a few moments to breathe, or some people may like, when was the last time like, you looked at stars or whatever? Mm-hmm. Or as, as Katie's saying, you know, feeling the clothes on your body, you don't normally do that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but, but I just want really to think about setting the tone for the day. Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting how you, kind of, how you both have made the connection on applying it to what we're talking about today on dealing with mental health and destigmatizing uh, the challenges that women face day in and day out.
1: And I think, yes. you know, one thing that's really, that's really worth talking about is people, like you said, mm-hmm. singing in the car on the way or just taking a moment to center yourself. You know, we get this idea, right, that like, oh, if I have to sit and be zen for 20 minutes or it doesn't count and you know there has to be like sandalwood going And yeah no 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 like one of my one of my favorite um sort of mindfulness teachers in the past who was a a very good friend of mine who who, uh, taught like um tai chi things like that Mm -hmm. right so he said that anytime he got into his car and buckled his seatbelt, he would take three deep breaths Mm -hmm. and he would repeat he had like a phrase that he would repeat and then he'd go on about his day right like it literally i'll I'll tell my patients like if you're in the grocery line and you can take three deep breaths if you are just like okay like you can take even one good solid breath that totally counts and it makes a huge difference right it's a huge difference and and you know the paradox of of anxiety and mindfulness right is that like we, like i said you spend all this time preparing for what and all this energy preparing for what might happen but when you're present in the moment, you can actually deal with whatever comes so much better. Right? That's
0: so awesome. Katie, what's your thoughts about just kind of using mindfulness, applying it on a daily basis or to any kind of situations that we're talking about?
2: Absolutely. So the thing, and kind of going to the point about how mindfulness can be used with anxiety and depression, is anxiety definitely in the future, and depression, i would say, more lives in the past. Mm -hmm. So when we're not being mindful and kind of stuck in a depressive thought that's more regret, ruminating on things we can't change, it can cause a lot of distress as well. So simple ways, finding a breath, finding... Exercise is one of my favorite mm-hmm. ways mm-hmm. to practice uh, mindfulness. Think about if you're sweating or, or running or doing yoga, you're so physically in that moment, based on what your body is doing, that you don't have time to let your brain be preoccupied with all these other things. Um, I find that a lot of people tend to struggle with racing thoughts when they're the most vulnerable, so mm-hmm. right before bed, mm-hmm. or when they're trying to fall asleep, or first thing in the morning. So when you can set the tone, like you said, right when you start in the morning or right before bed, either through... a few thoughts. Um, A little quick body scan can be great. Start Mm -hmm. from the top of your head, go down to your toes. Just notice, where am I holding tension? We tend to clench our jaws, raise our shoulders up, hold on to our fists. You can just notice that and release that. That's a great quick way to just kind of, okay, now I'm really fully in this moment. And then you're kind of physically telling your body, I'm not in danger. Mm -hmm. Another easy way to practice mindfulness is by changing how you're holding yourself. I encourage people I work with to first thing in the morning, lay on your bed and starfish. Just put yourself all the way out. It may feel a little weird, but what you're doing is you're exposing your vital organs. And Mm -hmm. that's really telling your body, I'm safe. My anxiety doesn't need to start coming in here because nothing's going to hurt me if I'm exposing my my body like this. I'm saying, I wouldn't do this if I wasn't safe. So there are a lot of little simple physical things you can do without even addressing our thoughts.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you for giving some good, awesome examples mm-hmm. that are out there. I'm going to starfish tomorrow morning. Oh, me too. Cool. I, That's a one. To, I do it. I have to tell my wife to just my slightly husband. slide <laughs> out of the way a little bit. Yeah, I was going to say but, just make uh, sure you're not yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. 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 so I don't be like a modified starfish. <laughs> I'm going to do it on the ground. Uh, so it is what it is. But thank you for that table. So what I want to do right now, I want to go into the myths versus facts because this is important. Mm-hmm. We are having some great talking That's today. Good stuff. But again, one of the reasons why I created uh, To your Health with Dr. G is because I want to set the record straight. Again, navigating through your health can be hard, it can be challenging, it can be uneasy, uh, you can be nervous as well too. But the reality is that a lot of things that we find out there, some of the resources that are out there may be misleading or blatantly false. Mm-hmm. So again, as we're talking about leveraging your credential practitioners, well, again, one of the things that I pride myself on, is that we get the right right answer the right way. So here we go, so what I'm gonna do, those of you that are new to myths versus facts, I say a statement and I, I pick on one of my panelists. It's like going back to my days of, of, uh, of, uh, in residency. Well, never, I, I never was a teaching attending, so I was never able to pick on people. So this is my way to get back on things getting uh, picked on when you're doing bad. a medical study. So I'm going to say a statement, and then uh, I'm going to pick on one of our, my panelists, my esteemed panelists. And they're going to say myth or fact. And they're going to give us a few, you know, we're going to do a little speed round myth or fact kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I've got a lot of these to go through. They're going to give us a few sentences on why do you think it's a myth or a fact. Uh, and so we'll go from there. So I'm excited. Myths versus facts, here we go. The focus in your mind, hashtag in the stigma women's health series, here we go. All right. First one the Dr. Johnson sits you're sitting right next to all me. All right, bring it out. Well, Alright, so here we go. Here's the statement. Alright. Uh Snap a rubber band on your wrist every time you have a bad thought. Is that a good thing? I mean if you're
1: trying to stop biting your nails, maybe <laughs> right? like that is a that is a a technique you could use for, for for things that are yeah. Um however, if that's not gonna that's not gonna fix your depression. Okay, right? Like enough. that's uh <laughs> That's yeah. I don't know if you have I
2: actually have a lot of thoughts about that one because what I work a lot with self injury patients. So Uh people who do non suicidal self injury can use that almost as a way to sneak around if they're not actively Mm -hmm. using tools. So if I snap a rubber band, oh well I'm just reminding myself not, but it's actually another form of punishment. So what you're kind of associating then with your brain is I'm having this thought I'm bad. I need mm-hmm. to punish myself. And that can be a really slippery slope to kind wow. of start
0: on. See, so my thought on that one is that it's so funny. This is where we all get like, different opinions. Yeah. No. But my thought is that, obviously, I don't want people to, you know, repressing your thoughts, uh, especially if they're negative thoughts, can certainly become more and more prominent in your day to day. So maybe somebody might like just snap the rubber band. I'm going to say a bathroom snap the rubber band, and they haven't really dealt with your yeah.
1: well. Action, and that's yeah. that's the part right. where I where yeah. I'm I'm a little bit like, oh come on, um, is and maybe I can be a little more articulate about this, right? Like if you again, if you're trying not to bite your nails and you want to be like, okay, I'm going to give myself something else to do. Cool, I'm, I'm all for it. But if you're qualifying the thoughts that I'm having are bad, that's the that's the mm-hmm. first error, okay. right? Like that's that's. That's not helpful, Mm -hmm. right? So the thoughts that I'm having are what they are. Sometimes they're uncomfortable, but you have to you have to kind of accept that whatever comes comes, right? And and remember too, you know, feelings aren't facts. Um, And just because you know you you think something, that doesn't necessarily imply. You know that it's good or bad. It just is what it is. You're allowed to have any thought you want. Your actions, you need to be a little more careful, with, okay. right? Excellent. But you know, yeah, don't bad. <laughs> yeah, stop, stop <laughs> yeah. Here we
0: go. Here's the next statement for <laughs> Katie O'Donnell. Here we go. Statement: Depression isn't real. It's something in your head, and or it's being lazy. Myth or fact? Myth. And please it mm-hmm. so I
2: it, it, it really does hurt my heart as as Absolutely. a clinician when I hear patients come in and say you hear this a lot I, I feel lazy or they've been told by loved ones mm-hmm. that their depression and the symptoms are, are, are kind of resulting in this label and so much with depression is there's anhedonia which is a lack of interest in and things that used to bring you pleasure or Mm -hmm. or the ability to feel pleasure Um, isolation so you're not doing things low motivation um, increased fatigue so people are sleeping all the time so when we're a- associating laziness to these very real and very disruptive symptoms, it, again, just kind of brings down those feelings of shame and guilt. Mm-hmm. And people are less likely to then seek help and, and look for other options if they feel like, well, this is just an inherent character flaw opposed to a trauma, brain chemistry, you know, mm-hmm. biology, all these different things that are really going on. So, yes, definitely. There was a moment in
1: um, actually one of the Harry Potter books where... Harry says, I think this is all in my head. And Dumbledore says, of course it's all yeah. in your head. That doesn't mean it's not real. Yeah. And I, I, I frequently think, like, I really should just put that on my wall because that's that's the absolute truth. And what does is, what is in your head even mean? Because Everything. patients hear this all the time, right? It's in your head. Well, like, you know what? Your brain is in your head. Yeah. You're right. This is a brain disorder. <laughs> like, you know.
0: Excellent. Yeah. Here we go, Dr. Johnson. Here's your <laughs> statement. Myth or fact? Uh, I like this one. Here we go. Uh, depression can develop in any age group, ethnic group, economic group, or gender. Oh, fact. that is
1: a fact. All right, we got a fact on that. That is best. a fact, and that is so important to remember. And it is important to remember, too, that it looks different in all of those groups, right? So I have a lot of parents come in with kids that, you know, are, they're, like, they're irritable, or they're just arguing with me all the time, or they're so angry. And it's actually depression, right? Wow. And and it presents differently in kids. It presents, presents differently in the elderly. It You know, again, we talked about men and women are kind of held to different standards about how they express their emotions and, and what happens with their mental health so it can look very different you know there's also this, this whole issue with high functioning anxiety and depression and people are like well you're getting to work you're doing fine like you're, you're so successful blah 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 and the fact of the matter is people are still really struggling yeah, and right. it's just as valid mm-hmm. so, excellent
0: yeah. here we go Katie myth or fact here we go if a woman eats right exercises, avoids caffeine, and lives a healthy lifestyle, her anxiety will go away." Oh! <laughs> oh you both that like crazy. <laughs> that, you're like, oh, brother. Oh, yeah. my God. So, yeah.
2: definitely a myth. And I think what's tough is it feeds even more into mm-hmm. this stigma that women are told, this message that you're just not doing enough. Mm-hmm. If you just yeah. tried a little more, if you just, you know, did the whole 30, mm-hmm. if you just ate more kale, if you did whatever that is, yeah. um, and really, all those things are wonderful. Right. Yeah, yeah, and absolutely. I mean, if you want a quick fix for anxiety and depression, go for a walk. Mm-hmm. Go do any kind of physical activity that'll put some endorphins going, those feel-good chemicals. That is the number one most quick and kind of effective way to, in the moment, up mm-hmm. with symptoms. Yeah. Not going to be a cure-all forever. Mm-hmm. You see triathletes, Olympians, mm-hmm. who have anxiety and depression. So when we're looking for this one fi- quick fix or fix-all, it, it, Kind of takes away from the legitimacy of an illness, and it goes back to a character flaw. So, definitely not. <laughs> and I think we
1: we cannot say that enough that mm-hmm. depression, anxiety, mental mental illness, it's not a character flaw. No, nope. it, it, it is not a failure. It is just.
2: Just saying like we all deal with. Cancer is
0: nuts. High mm-hmm. yeah. blood pressure is nuts. Again, hashtag in the stigma. Mm. This is great. So here's the next one. Dr. Johnson, we'll do a couple more of these. I like this. <laughs> all right, here we go. Uh, I haven't yet to ask you like one clinical question about medication, but here we oh. go. Um, many people with depression are helped by medication.
1: That is very true. All right. <laughs> that is very true. And, you know, I, I I tell my patients, right, like, this is one tool in the box. You know, you can't. You can't build a house only using a hammer. Because if you ever tried to paint with a hammer, that's not going to go very well. So think about this as one tool you're using, right? It's not... Um, gonna. It, it's almost never the silver bullet, right? Like, you take a pill, suddenly everything's amazing. You definitely want to... You, you want to make some of those you know positive lifestyle changes. You want to make self-care a priority. You want to have a good therapist and, and skills that you're working on. But also, you know, if you're if your chemicals are out of out of whack, right? And you're trying to do all these things, it's like trying to get down a river without a paddle. Like you're just going to you're not going to get where you need to be. And so this is, you know, if you think of this as your hammer, you're going to need it to frame the house, you're going to need it, but you're also going to need all these other things. It's just one piece of the puzzle. I think a lot of people for a lot of people that's a lot more palatable. Mm-hmm. The other common misconception is once you start a medication, you're on it forever, mm-hmm. right? Um, sometimes that's true. Sometimes that's very important. In the same way that some diabetics have to be on insulin, on it. Yep. some we'll you know I'm going to be taking thyroid hormone for the rest of my life, right? Like we accept those things, and there's no stigma mm-hmm. around that. Like okay, cool. So for some people that is true, but it's not necessarily mm-hmm. true for everyone. A lot of times it is just a tool that you use, and when when you're done with it, you put it back in the box.
0: Excellent. Mm-hmm. Well, then the last myth versus facts for Katie. Here we go. Mindfulness can be practiced daily and in many ways.
2: Absolutely true. <laughs> That's with our facts. That's yeah. a fact. I had to throw a little
0: facts in. I always throw a lot more myths yeah. on things, but no.
2: And I kind of tell people, <laughs> too, especially with mindfulness, it can be very intimidating. So you don't it, it make it tailored to you. Yeah. So again, coming back to the idea, it's just about being fully in the present moment And what's really coupled with that is acceptance. Mm -hmm. We're accepting this present moment. We're accepting how I'm feeling, what I'm thinking, what I'm experiencing. And that's the tough part. But acceptance, just like so many different things we do, like I wish we could take one bite of broccoli and we're good forever. Acceptance is something we're doing every single day over and over again. So if we can just accept in this moment, I'm having a hard time. In this moment, I'm not very comfortable. Mm -hmm. But I can accept that and I can be fully present in it instead of trying to run away from it, instead of trying to deny it. It can help us be more effective moving forward and also kind of get some of that power back. Like, I can do something about this now if I'm accepting this as my reality.
1: And I think that's a really important point that, you know, acceptance isn't just, um, oh, these are the things I want mm-hmm. to accept, right? It, it is absolutely okay to be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, particularly as Americans, we, we kind of don't ever want to deal yeah. with, with discomfort, right? I don't ever want to even think about being uncomfortable. But, you know what, The the... I'm so full of cliches today. I'm sorry for this. <laughs> well, I like the, the one. Yeah, the the, the the caterpillar doesn't come out of its out of its cocoon because it's comfortable, mm-hmm. right? The caterpillar would stay in there forever if it was comfortable. But it's when it gets to the point that staying in there becomes too uncomfortable that it actually changes, right? Oh. And so I think, you know, that's that's a big deal for a lot of people is that if you allow yourself to be like, you know, what I don't like this you will be closer to getting to where you want to be.
0: Excellent. Well, hey, hey, this has been an awesome discussion and just really talking about really some of the challenges that are out there. But, but I think we've really, you know, you know, again, I want people to take this conversation and take, keep it going all, all the time, every day. Destigmatize. We got to do better together. You know, hashtag in the stigma. So I'm glad that we're able to take this forum, take this time today, and get some information to people. So what I want to do is I want to wrap it down. I want to uh, I want to get some parting thoughts from my guests. So I'll uh, we'll start with Katie. Uh, Katie, just give us a few tips that are out there or things that like your kind of final thoughts on mm-hmm. how do we best for women? How do we best hashtag in the stigma?
2: Absolutely. I think the first part is like what we're doing here, having this dialogue. Um, Put yourself number one. Top of your priorities list. I cannot Mm -hmm. emphasize that enough. It is so important. Um, Also, there is so much, I think, in our history, especially with mental health, that we don't trust women to know their bodies. Absolutely. Or that they're the experts on their experiences. Absolutely. So I want to encourage women to talk about it. If you feel uncomfortable with something, if you don't agree with something, like as professionals, we're here to have a dialogue and to collaborate and be a team. We're not here to dictate. So mm-hmm. speaking about being assertive, and taking care of yourself.
0: Thanks. Dr. Johnson, gives a couple of take-home points for hashtag ending the stigma. Wait, I the hashtag. Hashtag ending the stigma. <laughs> not ending the stigma. Hashtag ending the stigma. My first tip is always know your hashtag. Yes, know no, the hashtag. Uh, yes. <laughs> it's true. Uh, <laughs> but,
1: yeah, no, I think, you know, it is a, it is a tremendously brave thing to say, uh, this is not okay with me, mm-hmm. right? And I think, you know, as we're, we're in the era of, you know, Me Too and Time's Up and all of those things, and... And I think we're we're starting to, like you said, trust people to talk about their own experience. And you know, the more that each of us can can speak to our own truth, I think the the stronger we're going to be as a
0: community. So. Thanks, Dr. Johnson. My final words are this, guys. This has been just a great discussion today. You know, be be more honest about your own experiences. You know, realize that there are truths, as Dr. Johnson just said, there are truths that can be modeled uh, and passed on, uh, even to the next generation, your 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 colleagues, your friends. Your daughters, the next, the next generation of people, but there's there's truth that can be modeled and passed on. And lastly, we have to do this together. Um, having this forum like this is so important, but we have to do this together to make measurable change. So you've been listening and watching on watching live on Facebook and IntellectualRadio.com. This episode is written by Mark Gomez and Tiffany E.R. Gomez producer is tiffany er gomez yes music is by the wonderful mr havis hey you guys been listening i mean this has been a great you know what next week we're going to continue our women's health series part three ideal cardiovascular health thanks a lot guys thanks for listening see you later and peace out